0: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn how nuclear bomb
1: detectors found a secret population of blue whales. Then, two of Shark Week's veteran cinematographers will tell you what it takes to film sharks and how camera footage can help save shark species around the world. Let's satisfy some curiosity.
0: How do you find blue whales? If you guessed by using a nuclear bomb detector, you are absolutely right. This sounds kind of weird, but it's exactly what happened. Recently, scientists have located a new group of pygmy blue whales in the Indian Ocean using data that was originally collected to detect illegal nuclear bomb detonations. And how did they do that? Well, instead of looking, they listened. That's the thing about blue whales. They're quite the crooners. Blue whales sing loud, complex songs that repeat themselves, like a refrain. They're like an anthem for the group, too. Each population of whales sings a unique kind of song. These songs vary in their style. I mean, their structure, key, and tempo all differ between population groups. Because they're distinct, scientists can tell which population is swimming where by listening to their unique sounds. But to find that, like I said, scientists need to listen. And unfortunately, there are few scientific acoustic monitoring arrays in the Indian Ocean. Instead, they found a noise detector from an unlikely source, the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization. Yeah, that's a thing. This international group listens for illegal nuclear bomb tests and has acoustic data stretching back decades. Jackpot. When they went through the historical data, the scientists discovered a series of strong regular signals. Even more exciting, there were thousands of instances of the same pattern. It was evidence of a song belonging to a group of blue whales. The patterns didn't match any of the songs from whale populations already known, so the researchers concluded it must be a new group. And since scientists found so many examples of the song, they're convinced that it's a relatively large population. Blue whales are the largest animals on Earth, so it may seem strange there's been a big group of them just swimming out on the ocean that we didn't know about. But unfortunately, that's because blue whales are endangered, and there just aren't that many left as a result of whaling. Today, there are about five to 10,000 worldwide. Considering there were about 350,000 before whaling began, That's a pretty huge decline. But this newly discovered population is a positive for the endangered whales. It means that their small numbers are slightly larger than we thought. And that is definitely something to sing about.
1: The best thing about Shark Week is the sharks, of course. I mean, you get to see them up close and personal from the comfort of your screen. But the people who film that footage? Yeah, they aren't so comfortable. To celebrate Shark Week 2021, we spoke to underwater cinematographers and newlyweds Joe and Lauren Romero about what it takes to film sharks. Joe Romero is an award-winning cinematographer who spent more than a decade filming and interacting with sharks all over the world. And Lauren Romero is a marine scientist and a well-respected photographer and cinematographer. And we asked them, what kind of challenges do cinematographers face behind the scenes?
2: There's struggles. I mean, I, I don't know. I've the had like big. lens scratches or a big one. <laughs> like when you finally do get them close, or they'll give you something like super dynamic. They'll destroy your camera lens because yeah. they don't understand distance either. You know, you can sit there and judge with an actor and everything focal point, and focal distance, and be like, "I want you to stay at least a foot away from the lens." Do this and do this, and, and a shark like... will just run up and just bite the glass, <laughs> and it's just like scratches all over the dome. The Five thousand dollar <laughs> lens gone. First shot destroyed. Got to go all the way back. I've had. We've had trips that were, like, full weeks of, like, just waiting for things to get repaired because of things of that just got, like, broken yeah. or didn't work. Or.
1: You get the perfect fish, and then they just scratch it on the first run, and then you got to keep shooting so you can't change it out And you get home, and you got to try and fix it.
2: Cameras are, like, like. Are one of those things. You know when you have, like, a new iPhone and you put it in a case that's, like, too... Don't it, want to like, scratch it. It covers it too much. <laughs> and all of a sudden you can't get to the buttons and you can't do anything. Underwater photography feels like that. Like, you know, this camera, you know, it really well, once you put it in a big metal box with a bunch of buttons on the outside, <laughs> you're trying to control what's inside. And it's all just mechanical because it's all like if it floods, you don't want your housing to be like electronic based. So It's like you take all the skills you do on this top side, like what we call top side, like, you know, on land. And then and we go underwater and it's like and everything changes. Everything becomes different. You're like on life support. Then you have your box like you put in anything. It becomes this task loading, frustrating sort of thing where it's like if you've ever just like worn mittens and try to type (laughs) <laughs> it's like kind of like that you know it's like Probably a really good way
1: to put it it's yeah. like there are
2: moments where you feel like that you're like you're like I can't get to this I can't do this and all this is happening around me and you know There's we, so much
1: going on yeah you can't. And,
2: I, and I have friends of mine that are like just beginning at this and just and you watch like people and I know Lauren I've seen like like watch my wife go through all these things where it's like these moments where I've lived that moment and I'm like I know what that frustration feels like I don't know, me, myself, I get like angry. <laughs> I like actually get like, you know, like I, I feel like more pumped up about it. Like it's it's kind of like the drive to just go, like the frustration of being like, I have to make this work that pushes it because especially in cold water, cold water makes it even worse because you got like super thick winter gloves. And then you go to your housing and it's like these tiny little, (laughs) little buttons for adjustments. You go to press one and like 500 things change on your camera, you know,
1: shark in front of you. So you can't like, Yeah. And I mean, it it
2: goes the same with science too. Like we do something and we'll be like, oh yeah, they definitely do this every time. It's seemingly like they definitely do this. And then you start putting all these factors, like maybe they only do it this time of year. Maybe they only do it here. And then you find out like in different areas, things are different. And what we're constantly shown is that we definitely don't know anything. <laughs> like it's just anything you think you figured out, you they will just definitely. constantly and they will prove you wrong at some point in time. So you're always just learning things like most of our sharks at a certain species here are all males. And we started like looking into other areas that had just, just females. And it's like, why is that happening? Like, why are they segregating like that? Is that like the drive of migration? We know that mating usually pushes one on the other, but there are some really peculiar things that you see in them that you're just like, you have to figure out. And you know, you try to look it up, you try to like learn those things and they're not exactly out there yet because people are still tuning into it yeah. right now. A lot of things are like highly migratory based. Like everybody's like, yeah, where, going. where are they going? Where they? It's one of those things that like, it's been pretty explored. We're starting to like understand the migration patterns pretty well. It, it for us, it's more or less like, Behavior. Mating
1: behavior. Yeah, like mating behavior, behavior, feeding behavior. behavior. Habitat use. How are they actually using it? Like, we know where they're going, but what are they actually doing while they're here? Like, mating, hunting.
2: The uh, facts that really draw you into, like,
1: and stuff that we don't know anything about
2: wanting to, like, know more, uh, like, about them, the real, like, details of, like, what their behavior is. Because, I mean, in Jaws, even they even said, like, all these things do is swim, eat, and make little sharks. There's no way an animal can live 40, 50 years in the ocean and that's all they do. <laughs> like, They have to have way more complex behaviors, way more complex things about them. And they may be things about them we don't understand yet. The way that they're being like eliminated off the planet, we may never know. And it's like in some of the things that we're studying now, it's like in some ways I don't understand because we just go like, what's the purpose of studying that? If they're not going to be around in 10 years, like we need to study the things now that are going to be able to like make an impact and help them stay here for us to study them in the future.
1: They told us that one of the ways they're trying to help keep sharks around in the future is by identifying the locations they use as mating grounds so they can put regulations in place to prevent people from fishing there. Here's hoping that thanks to efforts like that, sharks have a long, bright future on this planet. Again, that was Joe and Lauren Romero, underwater cinematographers who have several shows on Shark Week 2021. Ninja Sharks Mutants Rising airs Friday, July 16th at 8 p.m. And Return to Shark Vortex premieres Saturday, July 17th at 8 p.m. on Discovery and Discovery Plus. And starting today on Discovery Plus, you can stream another special Joe and Lauren worked on. The new Eli Roth film Finn, which uncovers the truth behind the death of millions of sharks. You can start your seven-day free trial of Discovery Plus at discoveryplus.com slash curiosity.
0: Hey, let's wrap up by recapping today's takeaways.
1: Well, we learned that scientists found a secret group of blue whales using, of all things, nuclear bomb detectors. The Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization has acoustic data stretching back decades. And when researchers listened back to it, they found that there are more of this endangered
0: animal out there than we used to think. That's pretty good news. It's a whale of a time. (laughs) That's right. And we also learned that shooting camera footage of sharks when you're underwater is not exactly easy. Joe and Lauren Romero said that operating those cameras in the first place is kind of like wearing mittens while trying to type. And a shark swimming up to you and biting your $5,000 camera lens, not always the most glamorous job in the world.
1: And getting up close and personal with a shark is also a great way to teach us what we don't know about sharks. Every encounter with a shark gives us new information. So just the footage alone from Shark Week helps researchers get to know sharks
0: better every year. This reminds me of our conversation with Forrest Galante from Extinct or Alive on Animal Planet a few months back. When he was talking about they were visiting, I think it was a fishing site around South Africa, and some local just found him and was like, hey, I'm an amateur undersea photographer. I've been taking pictures of stuff. I think I found an animal that we thought was extinct. And the photographer totally had. <laughs> it was just like, just from taking pictures. Yeah, so. I remember that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's astonishing what we can learn just from seeing stuff.
1: I mean, the ocean is a huge place. And I think it's really easy to miss stuff. Because, you know, you can only be in one place at one time. Tis true. When you watch these shark shows, it's really easy to get immersed and kind of forget that there is an actual human behind that camera. It's not like they've got drones in there, you know, like it's there are people who are who are there filming. So you're seeing all these adventurers, right, like shark scientists and people who are just like risking life and limb to be near sharks. And then there's just like the camera guy behind the scenes who you don't get to really see a lot. And I think it's great to like hear about their experience.
0: I think about this all the time I mean, the camera people on Deadliest Catch, Naked and Afraid, Like so many camera people, like I studied radio and TV production and I I did some camera work in a studio, right? But like, imagine if I'd gotten my degree and then suddenly I'm flying to the middle of nowhere or like a desert, right? And like following these people and you don't even see the camera people out of control. Can't wait to hear more from Joe and Lauren tomorrow.
1: Yes. The writer for today's first story
0: was Brianna Brownell. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also an audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. Or as a blue whale would say...
1: And until then... And stay curious.